Well, like uh, Jonathan said, my name is Chuck, and um, we are, if you're unaware, we are doing a series now calling a vision series, which I'll explain here in a little bit. But um, we are, as lead teaching pastors, we're rotating through the congregations. And what we've decided to do is, is break up these topics, um, and each of us teach on the one that would we believe best aligns with our own gifting and our own kind of passions. And so for me, um, uh, this idea of kingdom collaboration is one of our key values, if you want to word it that way, that I'll, I wanted to talk about. And I'll be teaching the other congregations the next few weeks. And Rick is teaching on the idea of community. If your pastor, Rick, can create anything, it would be community. Um, he just, it's like a mother hen. He just gathers everybody. Um, and so the rest of the congregations are going to be, I believe, receiving some of the best teaching on these topics um, that are out there today, regardless of what podcast or book you read. Um, Our lead pastors, to have Rick teach on, for instance, community to all of our congregations is a real gift. Um, He's thought through that in a tremendous amount of wisdom, with a lot of wisdom and, and, uh, and passion. And he does it naturally. So here, let me just uh, work, frame this up for us. This, this vision, we call it vision, but this is not as much really at all about our ideas or strategies of what we're going to do as a church. Uh, we're a multi-congregational church, which is why we're trans, you know, we're doing this through the, the congregations now. But this, this vision series is not about trying to get you to understand what we need to engage with because we're heading towards some goal. Not to say that that's a negative thing. That's just not what this series is about. This series is really about understanding basically some spaces in life that we believe God has given us the vision for his people to step into. And it's less about what we need to do. And really what I would like to talk to you about today is understanding these as spaces that we step into because you actually are changed. And you are actually transformed as you step into these spaces. So I'll walk you through a couple of visuals that, um, to give you an understanding of kind of at least how I'm thinking through this, uh, these ideas and these topics. So if, if I put it up here on the screen, we've got five kind of main areas. Hospitality, generosity, collaboration, celebration, and community. These are all, these are all what I would uh, say for at this time. These are spaces in which God's invited us to live into as his people. And it does a number of different things in them. But one of the things is, is that we step into them and we are changed. And then we are used. So if you want to grow in your faith and you want to be used in the life of other people, as elders, we have said, yeah, these are spaces for our time and our culture. These are really, really important for anybody but especially why for this time in our context. And this series is about understanding some of that, why that's the case. Now, what we would say is, is that all of these are rooted in the gospel. And what we mean by the gospel is we're, we're talking about who God is and what he has done. And so when we look at each of these topics, there's a number of ways to talk about all of them and to describe them and define them. But as God's people, we are looking through who God is as a loving relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit, who is self-giving love 
And we're using that as the lens by which we're looking into and talking about each of these issues. So if we put God at the top, we would say as we step into these, these are areas of life that God's invited us into for our own formation. As we step into these areas, God's going to confront and encourage us in a number of different things. And so as God's people, understanding who he is as a good, self-giving, loving God, we are going to step into these areas of obedience. So if we put ourselves at the bottom and we step into these areas in obedience, we're going to understand that God's going to actually meet us in this space. And he's going to change us in this space. And he'll use us in the life of others in these spaces. And so in order to do this, what this series is really about is, is actually, I would argue at the end, I want to share some things that are dying. Um, I think our faith is centered around death in many ways, not just the death of Jesus, but there's a lot of things being killed in me as I grow in my faith. And what I would argue is, is that as we step into these spaces, we have to ask a question, and I'll put it here. What needs to die in me? So we, we can talk about this as like, I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to do all these things. That's not what we're saying, though. We're saying, no, I believe God's good, and he's, gonna, he's inviting me to live into these spaces. And actually, I don't have to kill a bunch of stuff for me to walk into these spaces because as I walk into them, God will kill them. <laughs> and they'll die within me. And there are things that need to die in me. Now, that's harsh language, but uh, that's the idea. And so for me, today, I'm going to focus on the kingdom collaboration piece. Um, now, when I moved here to the church, uh, to Portland, it was April, 12, April 11th, 2008. I was driving up from Southern California. I didn't know anybody in the city, and I just moved here to start a church, whatever that would look like. And I didn't know uh, anybody. So what I started to do, there's a few people that moved up with us to help us start our first congregation, which is in Tigard. And um, I, I spent a lot of time alone. So I would wake up in the morning every day, and I would drive Monday through Friday. I would drive to a coffee shop. And I had this goal of talking to 10 people a day. I failed every single day. I never, I never actually made it. I would count, I would hold the door for people just so they would say thank you and I could say you're welcome. <laughs> I would count the cashier, I would count the barista, and I'd maybe get to four or five by the end of any day. Like I failed every single day. And I was going out in my car by myself, just going, okay, God, where, where, do, where should I go? And I ended up having a rhythm of going to the same coffee shops, the same times of day on the same days of week. And I started to just become friends with some regulars, you know, that were by themselves. Uh, but here's the thing, as discouraging as some of that was in my life, because I tend to be pretty introverted, I actually never felt like I was alone. I didn't have this like misnomer in my mind thinking, I'm going to go into Portland and bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus to the city. I actually thought that it was already here and that God was already doing some things. And I had this sense from day one that when I came into the city, I actually believed I was a part of something much larger. 
I didn't know anybody. I didn't have like direct contacts necessarily in the beginning, but I felt like I was part of something larger than just one church plant. And as I've been here for a number of years now, 11 years, um, not only have I gained some really good friends that are pastors of churches and just business owners or whatever, um, I've been able to be a part of helping other church planters, collaborating on a team to help pastors in the city be encouraged and equipped, and it's actually happening, which is very unique. And as I, if I go around the country, what's happening amongst churches here working together is kind of alien. It doesn't happen in most contexts. Now, for us, we would say, yeah, this is, this is the, but that's kind of how it should be. Like, that feels right. Churches should work together. We're on the same team. But, but think about it this way. Uh, yeah, we, we know that that's accurate, and it's, I don't know, theologically correct. But you would never expect that of a business owner. If somebody has a salon, would you ever expect the salon owner to promote another salon? No. You would never have that expectation on that business owner. You would never expect the contractor to spend his day or her day building relationships for collaboration with other contractors unless it helped his or her business. It's called networking, right? And it's not just business owners. The truth is, is you are not concerned about building the retirement fund of your neighbor, nor are you concerned about how to pay for college tuition of your neighbor and probably other family members. You're not concerned about that. And in our culture, neither of those things are expected. And so what, what happens is, is we have this expectation of the Christian world that we're supposed to collaborate and work together and promote and be on the same team, and yet everything else in our lives is totally individualized and personalized. Now, that's not good or bad, but it at least suggests we're going to have a little bit of difficulty when it comes to collaborating with other people in the church. And it probably should at least remind us of this. If you expect community to go perfect in our world, you're nuts. You have totally lost touch with the reality of our personal, personal individualized lives. So and you and actually you're really thankful that business owners are concentrating on profit. We have we have this way of like boohooing businesses because it's all about money. But you're thankful for that because if the business didn't make money, you wouldn't have an income to support your family. So it's not that those things are bad, it's just the reality that we need to realize that it's a self-focused and necessarily so in some ways reality that we live in and yet there's different expectations on the church. And that's because we've been given something that we didn't create. It's called unity. That's not experienced in our everyday world. We have to have a World Trade Center happen for our country to be unified. Everything else is divided. But as a church, we've been given unity. It's something that we uphold and maintain. And so when we look at this, this is why uh, this, this, this tension here of how do you do this, what, what, what do you, how do you navigate this? Um, 
And the truth is, it's like when you think about this, this concept, you have to think about goals. The goal of a business is to make a profit because it creates economy and supports families. Without that, you're in big trouble. The goal of the Christian life, though, is that God brings all of our personal lives and our personal assets and resources and pulls it together for a much larger story that's bigger than any one of our personal lives. And that is to give witness to who God is and what he's done. And we have been given unity in that. And so this idea of kingdom collaboration is really important. So what I want to do is I just kind of want to break this down, like kingdom and collaboration, two different words that in some ways, uh, as we talk about it, they actually contradict in some ways, at least on the surface, they feel like it. So let me just walk you through this because the word kingdom, for instance, is a foreign concept to us. We don't operate in kingdoms outside of like, you know, some sort of game. And we, the concept of a king is really foreign to us. So a kingdom is hard for us to grasp. And because of that, we often think wrongly about it. Now, one of the ways in which we think wrongly, it shows in our language. We'll say something like, we're building the kingdom of God. I think today, hopefully, you'll see that that's not only theologically inaccurate, but it actually undermines what you want in God's kingdom. You don't want to build anything for God when you really think about it. And the good news is you don't have to because you're not building the kingdom. It already exists. So when we, when we look at this, a common way of thinking about this is, is Jesus, you know, he, he uses statements all the time like, um, the kingdom of God is like dot, dot, dot. Or the kingdom of God is at hand dot, dot, dot. And this is a way in which Jesus is describing the way God, who God is and how he works in relationship to the world. And so let, let me take you to one of the passages in Mark chapter 1 that I, I like to walk us through today. And, um, and which is, which is going to show us that this is not something we're built. We are building. We don't build the kingdom. It's existing. So the beginning of um, Mark, he, he describes Jesus starting his ministry. And he says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. So when you think about the gospel, I don't know what you think about, but you're now going to find out what Jesus means by the gospel. What is the good news of God that Jesus is proclaiming, here's what it is. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So for Jesus, this is where you see him defining the gospel. The gospel is God's kingdom is at hand. In other words, um, when Jesus is saying, you're about to see firsthand this reality. Well, what's the reality? Well, when you study the kingdom of God, at any amount of depth, what you end up seeing is this constant theme of the reign of God. So every major theologian that's talked about this, from my experience, talks about the kingdom as being God's reign, his supremacy, 
his sovereignty in and over a situation. And so what you're seeing here is Jesus is declaring, hey, you're about to see what it looks like for a human being to live under the reign of God. And this is why three verses later, two verses later in verse 17, Jesus is not asking people to invite him into their life. He's asking them, inviting them into his life. He's saying the kingdom of God, God's reign over a human life is at hand. And you are about to see what that actually looks like. And this is why we follow Jesus. And so when we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about ways in which God's reign is realized. So if basically, if God was to, to uh, have his ideal in a situation, as we look at Jesus, we know that that's going to be the case. He goes into a broken situation and reveals and points to what God's reign actually looks like in that situation. It's this way of uh, stepping into kingdom life then would be a way of kind of acknowledging God's reign in our life and asking what would God's desire be in this situation. That's kingdom life. If God reigns supreme in this situation, how would I enter it? And that's what Jesus models. He goes into broken situations and brings freedom and reconciliation. It's explaining and expressing the reign of God in the situation, the power of God in the situation. This is why justice issues are really important for the church. This is why when somebody's focused on freeing people from, I want to be careful because of kids, uh, human trafficking, let's just word it that way. This is why we celebrate that. Because if God's reign was actually realized over the lives of the people involved in that problem, it would not be happening. And so to step into the kingdom life is to bring freedom into these areas. And so when we talk about collaboration, then, it's really, really pretty practical. But when you talk about the idea and the definition of collaboration, it might become a problem. Because when you think about collaboration, you're working together to produce something. But we're not building the kingdom of God. If you say you're going to build God's reign, I'm just going to say, well, that's probably the most arrogant thing you could possibly say. I'm going to build God's reign. Okay. Good luck. You don't build it. You live into that reality and you express that reality. So if collaboration is working together to produce something, what are we producing? Well, I would just argue that when we work together in unity as God's people towards kingdom realities, you're actually producing nothing more than a witness. That's what you produce. It's a unified community trying to, seeking to give themselves to what God's reality in the world would look like or God's desired reality in the world would look like. And we understand that we can do more in collaboration than we ever could by ourselves. And there's power in that. And so kingdom collaboration is just that. Now, it's different than business owner goals, right? Because we have unity. Business owners don't. They're creating profits so that you can actually put food on your table and you're thankful. You should be thankful for that. Now, that can get twisted like we can get any twisted anything else. But individually, 
uh, we, can, we can only accomplish so much. We've been given unity, so together we can express who God is and what his desires are in the world, and we work hard together to give witness to that in a bunch of different areas, from a cubicle to parenting. That's the idea. This is where in here you collaborated, whether or not you thought about that. These parents are individually raising these children, and yet you were asked, will you collaborate with each other and with these parents towards a kingdom reality? So it's at every level of the church. And, and that's because we understand, Christianity understands that God is a unified, loving relationship. You might not think of God that way, but if you don't think of God as a loving relationship, you're not thinking Christianly. You're thinking like a Muslim. God is a self-giving, loving relationship. And when you see the word G-O-D, you need to think about a relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. This is the one thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. And it's a unified relationship of which we express to the world through our own collaboration. This is why it's so important. In Ephesians chapter 4, we, we see this type of unity expressed. Paul writes this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. What have you been called to? Well, one would be unity. With all humility and gentleness, which would be important for unity. With patience, important for unity. Bearing with one another in love, again, important for unity. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So you're not creating unity. You don't have to build it. Just like you don't build the kingdom of God, the reign of God, you're actually experiencing and living into something that already exists, the unity that we have together. There's one body, one spirit. You'll see the whole relationship of God here. That is God, the spirit there, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, there's it would be Jesus, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So you have a really big theological statement being made here. You have unity. Why? Well, because God is unified in a relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. And so you collaborate together to model that unified kingdom reality in the world in which you live. So there's that's the theological Balance, And I think that all of us kind of sit down here and say like, you know, I think that that's true. That's right. Christians are on the same team. Christians should work together. But that's all really easy to say, isn't it? Um, and it's also interesting too, and, I, and I'll say it this way. It's really easy for us to think that churches as a whole should work together when the reality is, is we have a problem doing it in our own communities. And that's really important. Now, kingdom collaboration has to happen at every level of the church. Every level. And th this is why we, we're working really hard at this. Like, uh, being in relationship with other pastors in the area is a high value for all of our lead pastors. You need to know that. Rick is spending time with pastors in this area because it's very important 
that we have unity with other pastors. Not just next door with this church, but around the city of Sherwood and Tualatin and Newburgh. It's important that Rick builds those relationships with people. It's very, very important that he does that. And it's a high commitment for us. At the same time, we have to be committed to one community. You should have friends that go to other churches, just as Rick should have relationships with pastors of other churches. But just as Rick needs to be committed to one community, so do you. And in our culture, we can hop communities whenever we want. And that's damaging to kingdom collaboration. That does not express the unity that we're supposed to create and express. And so we have to be committed to that. Otherwise, the witness comes void. So if it's not on a church to church and through every level of the church, sideways or up and down, however you wanted to do it, it, it's meaningless. It breaks down. It has to happen on every level of the church. This is why um, this is why we model we try to model collaboration as a multi-congregational church on the structural level. If you're not familiar with that, let me just explain to you how we structure Colossae in the multi-congregation. So on the we have shared resources. I'll, I'll give you this. Shared resources between Tigard, Hillsborough, Sherwood, and Beaverton. Those shared resources are a way that we can collaborate and actually steward money well, but also save time. So I'll just give you one example. We handle all the finances for all of Colossae for well under $40,000 a year. That's unheard of. All of that, all of the financials, everything. So when you collaborate, you maximize That's just one example of a shared resource. We work together on that. Now, we share these resources, but we also collaborate for multiplication. So each of these congregations, so Hillsborough, Sherwood, and Beaverton came out of Tigard. But now, so Tigard had three babies. And mama's a little tired, I'll be honest. But... Now we're at a point where each congregation is not only self-sufficient by itself, but we can now collaborate and do more together than anyone could. And so now we take 5% of all of the resources given to these in tithes and offerings, and we're now producing more congregations. It's a process that's actually multiplying by itself. And so the E stands for East because the East Congregation Colossae is gathering at Western Seminary, and as now it's in the second week today. And it's fully funded by the four congregations. And now the giving there is going up, and so the fund of the giving is, it, it, now we could just multiply this out over and over and over again. It's a way of kingdom collaboration. Now, here's what my point is. One is hopefully that helps you understand how we're operating as a church. But two is it's to show you that you can do way more in collaboration than anyone can do by themselves. And it's a way that we're structuring to model this at every level we can possibly do it at. It's really important that it's at every 
single level. Now, as lead pastors, I connect with them once a week or once every other week, depending on them, and we gather together once a month. We collaborate. Our children's ministry workers are collaborating. Youth ministry workers with Rebecca and, and, and Marcus and, and all across the, the congregations, they collaborate. We have to do this at every level because we have been given something. It's called unity. And it needs to be modeled to the world. But it can't just happen on a structural level or a leadership level. It has to happen at a community level and at an individual level. Now, when we do this as a staff, I'll just share these things. Some things die in me. I'll list three of them. First, a me-first mentality dies. In order to collaborate at that level, it can't be about any one person. It, it can't be. When we work together, we constantly have to set our own agendas aside. That's true of all of us in community as well. And that's a beautiful thing that God kills those things. But unless you step into those spaces, those things don't die. And it needs to. The second thing that's killed in me is just basically sinful desires. I, I, could, I could spend the next 45 minutes explaining sinful desires within me. But what happens is, is when you're working in collaboration and you're coming up with ideas, any wrong agenda or sinful agenda is going to be known. There's instant accountability in collaboration. You're going to be very careful of what you're saying and what you're motivated by because it's going to be known. And you can't hide it. And so those sinful desires tend to die over time too. The third one I'll, I'll just share is this, is that we're <laughs> the need to have your voice heard all the time dies because in collaboration, you need to have all the voices. And at a community level, that's important too. So I don't know what your community looks like, but my I fully assume this, that because of the individualized and personalized culture in which we live in, that has rooted itself in you at such a level where community and collaboration are really hard. And so some things need to die. They have to die. You've been given unity with each other and it takes a lot of work to maintain that unity. And it also takes you stepping into this area of life and asking God, would you kill things in me that need to die so that we can have this collective expression of who you are as a self-giving, unified, loving relationship to this world. And so church to church, congregation to congregation, within Colossae, communities, on all fronts, it has to happen from bottom to top, side to side. And if not, we end up in a, in a space where it's uh, really easy to say what everybody else should do. This is the way the church should be. Well, great. It won't be that until Jesus comes back. So we're going to keep going. 
And we're not going to expect perfection, but we are going to have these spaces in which we're going to step into and ask God to kill some things in us. So if I was going to wrap up kingdom collaboration kind of in one little phrase, here's what I would say it is. Just very briefly, it's just being a witness to God's reign and self-giving love together. That's all we're talking about. Um, And when we think about either of those, God's reign over a situation, whether it be in your cubicle or in your home or in your neighborhood or in this congregation, Colossae, we're going to ask, God, what, what's broken? Let's, let's work together to bring your desired reality to bear. And then when we talk about God's self-giving love, there's no other way to look at this other than through the tables. The tables are the picture of God's self-giving love. He's given himself to us through his son. For what? Union. That's it. That's what we have today. Our faith isn't about like being with God when we die. Your faith, Christianity, is based on the fact that you can be with God today. And so I want to invite you to the tables. Receive grace. Remember his self-giving love for you. And then remember the fact that you're in a room with other people, that you're going to work together to produce a witness outside. It'll also be um, an elder or maybe some others over here on the side too if you'd like to have somebody pray for you. Um, doesn't need to be a counseling session. You don't need to like explain every one of your issues. You can just ask for prayer um, and that's available to you too. Let, let me pray for us as we go in this time. God, I am really grateful for your presence. Um, and I think I can speak on behalf of most people here that we are thankful that we don't need to invite you here that you already are here you're in each of us through your spirit we want to be in tune with you your work in our lives and the direction you're bringing us i pray as as we uh, process this idea of the unity that you've given us and we collaborate for kingdom purposes that you would help us by killing things in us that you would help us see things that need to die so that you can give us true life. As hard as it is for us to see those things that need to die and give those things up, would you help us see the beauty of the life you would give us afterwards? And let that be a motivation for us. We come to your table now and we take this bread and dip it in the wine or juice and we sing these songs to you all in the name of Jesus the perfect imprint of your selfless love it's whom who we we exalt it's whom who we follow and it's whom we remember now at these tables pray that you're honored in this time because of doing this all in his name Jesus the one that reigns supreme